You're listening to Everyday Humanity. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Everyday Humanities. Um, we're so excited to have you guys back, and um, we're diving right in. We have a special guest today, um, Sid Harvey. He is the one, the only, the myth, the man, the legend, <laughs> um, our very own um, chief operations officer. Um, he's here to talk to us about his passion and some other things. I don't want to be, you know, the spoiler. Um, and Dennis is back, so that's great. Hi. I missed you. Missed you too. Missed Although you too. Matthew is mad right now because if he doesn't play these in order, then it's gonna they're gonna go back from what? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, but he can cut that out. So back from yesterday. You know? <laughs> that's, that's where we're back from. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah. Thanks, Regina, and welcome, Sid. Um, yeah. So disclaimer to get this thing started. Um, it is. Sid and I have known each other now for 30 years. Pretty darn close. Maybe not quite no, 30. No, I think 30, maybe close to 31 before we both yeah. were married. I think so too. Yeah, before we were both married. And before I was almost even in And in before you planet. were almost in. Oh, yeah. thanks a lot for that, Regina. <laughs> I was just thinking about you back then. <laughs> I was just a thought. <laughs> so, so Sid and I met um, way back when, when uh, we were both working for Wedgwood. Mm -hmm. And um, the kind of the cool thing and how God works um, Sid was my supervisor as I worked at Wedgwood in the Brookside home back in the day. Yes. And um, I just learned a ton from Sid, not, a, not only about working with youth and, and social work and ministry, uh, but also about life and about um, uh, things about race and God and things like that. So um, the really strange thing is now like 30 years or whatever later, um, we're working together again. But this time I'm the supervisor. Yes. So, you know, I don't like paybacks, but some of that is appropriate. My schedule was better back then. <laughs> That's because you made the schedule back then. Um, but no, hey, Sid, welcome. And uh, I know Regina and I are just so excited to to talk to you and maybe start by just giving, you know, a, a brief overview of your life. Um, I wow. know that you moved up here from Illinois, so that was a good choice. Yeah, yeah. So I grew up in <laughs> Chicago. Um, grew up in a single parent home. Uh, grew up in the projects, not Cabrini Green. And just to make sure everybody knows Cabrini Green is not the only projects in Chicago. A uh, place I grew up is called Argo Gardens and just as rough as any other place. But um, I was there through high school, uh, after college, starting college. I, I think I realized a lot of things going on. One of them is a call from God after working at Camp Tall Turf and feeling like I got to find a purpose. Um, and because I need to find that purpose, I took a risk and, and, and moved up to Grand Rapids. And when I moved up to Grand Rapids, I literally moved up here with just a car full of my stuff. Um, and I was blessed to find an opportunity uh, to work at Wedgwood, which, by the way, I was couch surfing at that time. You were? I never wow. knew that. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, a great family let me stay in their basement and sleep on their couch, and I, I did that for probably six months. Uh, they had nowhere to go. I wasn't going to go back to Chicago. Uh, I really felt like I need to find something to do on my own, 
that was in Chicago. So I came here, got a job at Wedgwood. Um, and it kind of took off from there. A lot of good things. Like Dennis talked about, met Dennis. And Dennis teased me about learning a lot from him, but kind of jumping a little bit. When we started talking about DEI, I think Dennis is one of the few friends, and when him and I have talked about this, is that uh, as a white male I've known, I can always say, always follow through on his word. Um, and I always hold him high in that standard, not because he just followed through, but he breaks the stereotype that friendships can go beyond race uh, mm-hmm. and some messages you've been taught as a kid. So, uh, But, yeah, so I, I moved here, um, and I got involved with Wedgwood, and I found my niche and what I wanted to do, my passion working with people. And I always say that, you know, kind of my call in life is to be an agent of healing. And so I really kind of embraced that. And if, if I kind of jump back, I would say because growing up in the projects and seeing a lot of pain, um, not just through race, but through poverty, I think that became my calling, being an agent of healing and change. Because I realized that through God, there's, there's just so much more to life if you can lean on him. And I also know it's not easy to find and lean on him, but it's a true place to lean. So, uh, so yeah, so I, I did that, worked at Wedgwood for about 10 years and and, and really got moved in a lot of ways. And one of the things that moved me is I felt like that uh, my time was over. I need to do more stuff for the community. So I was blessed to have an opportunity to start a community center, Oakdale Neighbors, on the southeast side of Grand Rapids. And and that was that that was something else. Uh, you know, starting stuff from scratch and doing what we call social enterprises now. Back then, we called them micro enterprises. Uh, we had a bike shop. We had a lawn care business. Uh, we had a candy store for kids to sell candy. Um, but after a few years of doing that, I realized that I wasn't going to go where God wanted me to go unless I went back to school. So I went back to college at Cornerstone University. A little shout out to the Eagles there. Go Golden Eagles! Yeah. Um, and that was a great experience, too, you know, to go there and go to a school where uh, I had some tough struggles that I, I, I didn't always fit in. But it was a reminder to me that just because I don't fit in doesn't mean I don't belong there. Uh, but I had to be there. Uh, so I got the opportunity to do that. And and through that opportunity, I got an opportunity to work at Network 180 uh, as a DEI, Diversity, Equity, Inclusion uh, director. And that really kind of spurred some things I had a passion about for a long time. And that's doing some work in DEI and sharing some of my thoughts and things I've learned. And, and, and through that opportunity and working a few other places, I got to opportunity to work at Mel Trotter, which is really funny, too, because I didn't realize Dennis was the CEO. Um, and then uh, I saw the position. And Many people don't. <laughs> <laughs> the mystery man. Um, and we went out and had coffee, and, and it was just like old times. Um, I think one of the things that we're blessed with is that um, – we worked for each other, but I don't think we ever felt like we worked for each other. I think we always mm-hmm. felt like we worked together, yeah. um, and that's really true. And then we had coffee. It was supposed to be a half an hour. I think we sat together almost three hours. Yeah, uh, it was good coffee. Yeah, it was good coffee. It woke <laughs> me up. Um, and and it, it was great. And, and we walked away both saying, we don't know what God's going to do, but we'll see what happens. And it turns out for me to work uh, at Mel Trotter doing the, the DEI and then it kind of expanded to the CEO, um, the uh, COO. Not to take that E out. People think, <laughs> people think I'm hunting now. Uh, and, it, and it really worked out. But the, 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 the true thing about this whole story of coming to Mel Trotter is that, one, God always is working with you to find that true purpose. 
And like I said, mine's always been about aging and healing and change. That's never, you know, veered from that. Um, and then working back with people you're familiar with and you kind of love being with makes it even better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So before Regina dives into the deep stuff with you, um, <laughs> you forgot the most important thing. Somewhere along that Wedgwood journey, you met this lady. Um, I did. So tell us really I quickly did. about your I wife did. and your kids. Yeah, and 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 I uh, we just celebrated 29 years of marriage. I should have oh, talked about that. Um, congratulations. So I, I uh, I'll pay for that one later. That's a whole other story. But yeah, I, I met I met Don, and actually. Um, Dennis and Don and all of us all were working in Wedgwood at the same time, uh, and, and I met her. And, and that was a really good thing, especially as we talk about DEI. For those obviously don't know it, that I'm in interracial marriage. And, and, and if you really know my story growing up in Chicago, I had been a person saying, no, I'm not going to ever get that. you know. But I also tell people the, the true reason that we're together because a lot of failed relationships, I got to a point uh, and, and honest, true prayer, I said, God, I don't want to date anybody else until you send somebody who loves Jesus as much as I do. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and the truth is, God's a man of great sense of humor. Um, he sent me this awesome wife who happens to be white um, to be in my life. And, and, and she's been a great partner. You know, uh, it, it, so when you talk about from a DEI perspective, mm-hmm. this has just even been a bigger blessing in my life to live what I preach. Um, day in day out and it's been sacrifices it's been tough things about that as well Uh, but we've done all right with that so yeah 29 years is pretty good 29 is not bad Mm -hmm. all right Regina (laughs) well you know I you know I love how you talked about like meeting your wife but you said um, my wife who happens to be white and you know like a lot of times when we talk about um DEI stuff, diversity, equity, and inclusion things. Um, sometimes, I, I mean, uncomfortable things can come up in that, you yeah. know, that conversation. Yep. Diverse, the topic of diversity can be an uncomfortable topic, right? Yep. Um, but a part of that work, um, I feel like you've really um, done a wonderful job at Maltrader just helping dismantle some of those um not even just stereotypes, but some of those stigmas that mm-hmm. that we have um, just as humans, right? Um, which is which is really great. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about um, some of the things that you've kind of brought to our organization to help kind of dismantle some of those stigmas and just um, create a space where allyship can be birthed and and um, just kind of um, shared. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> kind of had a brain I, fart I, for a second, guys. <laughs> no, we all get those. We all get those. So I, I, I think about it in four stages of what I've, I'm, I'm bringing and trying to bring. So I'll, I'll explain that. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I always talk about is the salad bowl. The salad bowl, I think, is just a basic of understanding we all have value, we all have purpose in the same place. So understanding the word picture person I am, the bowl is the place. Is where we reside. The, the, the importance of being in salad bowls is that people, uh, excuse me, Mel Tribe heard me say it millions of times that, you know, I can be the, the square, dry crouton and be myself and enhance the salad and sit by the round, juicy tomato who happens mm-hmm. to be red 
and they can still be themselves. We don't have to give up something to enhance the flavor. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the first thing we always talk about. So the, the salad bowl to me is about enhancement that everybody has a place and a purpose. The second stage I was talking about is the rustle. Um, the rustle is, is the willingness to grow. You know, if, if we're not willing to have tough conversations about what's really going on, we don't grow. Mm-hmm. And having a tough conversation sometimes is understanding it's not about me trying to prove I'm right. It's about me trying to understand where the other person's been. And, and I hope people can stop and think about that for a while. We have too many arguments where we so eager to get our point out that we never heard what the other person said. And then the second step, never understood what they said. Mm-hmm. So if I really want to understand where somebody's at and why they see something different than me, I have to shut up and listen. You know, that's I, I want to remind you, Sid, maybe of a story that you may or may or may not remember, but it's way back to our Wedgwood days, and it illustrates exactly what you're saying. Um, I can remember we were working a shift at Wedgwood, and we were going to go to lunch. The kids were in school, and um, you and I had been talking about uh, topics around race. Mm-hmm. And, um, and growing up, you know, I grew up in a small town. Uh, most people in my town looked like me. Um, so it was really, uh, compelling for me to listen to someone else's experience. But I remember specifically, we were going to go to lunch and you suggested that, uh, we go to this one particular place for lunch on 44th street. It's no longer there. And you told me something. You said, when we walk in, stay behind me, significantly behind me. And I want you just to observe what happens when I walk through the room. And so we went to the hostess stand and the hostess, you know, Sid said uh, two people for lunch and can we have a corner and the table in the back or something like that. And the lady was escorting Sid uh, to a table in the back. And I was probably, I don't know, 10 or 15 yards behind trying to do what you asked me to do, which was observe. And here's what I observed. I observed that Sid is a, is a larger, and I'm large as well, a larger African-American black man is walking toward the back of the restaurant. And I'm looking at other tables where there are um, uh, white women and they have their purses on the table or on the floor. And they look at Sid and they pick up their purse and they tuck it under their arm. Mm-hmm. And then after he's gone, they put their purse down and then they see me coming, but nobody tucks their purse. Mm-hmm. And that was... My first example, my first piece of education and what you just said about, in my experience, I didn't think that was possible. And you asked me to sit back and observe and consider that there might be a different experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there was. And, and I want to thank you for that because that started me on a lifelong journey of trying to listen Mm-hmm. And trying to observe, I don't do it very well, mm-hmm. but trying to get better. And um, because I think, you know, for people that, that look like me and grew up like me, it, it's really easy to say, well, those things were settled some other time, yeah. right? The mm-hmm. 60s or the 1880s yeah. or whatever yeah. they were. Um, and, and we have to understand that until we have conversations and are willing to open ourselves up mm-hmm. to listen, mm-hmm. we will never fully be able to understand and move together. And, and while I'm babbling, mm-hmm. I'll say, um, Sid mentioned the salad and I, I would just want to, um, I give Sid a hard time for the salad all the yeah, time. Yeah. Uh, but, but it's brilliant, right? Because mm-hmm. what Sid does in his trainings is he talks about exactly what he said is that 
the salad is extremely diverse, but the tomato doesn't have to stop being the tomato to make the flavor of the salad better. The crouton doesn't have to stop being a crusty old crouton. It adds flavor. And, And the idea and what I've learned is the more diversity we have in our salad, the better that thing tastes. Um, and I just really want to thank you for that. Yeah. No, no, yeah. And, and, and I, I think people think that rustling has to be a bad thing. But the, the, the true rustle part is once you hear or learn, like Dennis talked about from experience, is that you need to wrestle with it. You need to ask yourself, what is God telling me? And, and for those out there who may not be a faith believer but feel like they want to do something great in the world, you need to ask yourself, what am I supposed to do with this? Because it's easy to be intellectual about it and put it on the side, but it's even more powerful to take you to move forward. So I, I think we, we've got the salad bowl and the rustle. And then the next two things that I really want us to move to is this whole thing about uh, safe and brave spaces. And, and, and I, I tip my hat to my sister Regina here because she really is the one who coins that. And um, I would always say safe space, but she says safe and brave, which mm-hmm. makes it even more special. And started talking about, can I go somewhere I feel safe to be myself, but then be brave to experience more. Wow. Um, which is really powerful to think about. So I'm safe to be myself and express myself, but now I need to be brave to experience more, which means including other people, but even asking other people about themselves. And that's what we're kind of hoping we're moving to uh, at, at Mel Trotter. And that, to me, is when you really become anti-racist. And anti-racist is to define it is that every day I get up trying to figure out how to stop racism in my life, in my world of influence, rather than spend my life trying to figure out who is a racist. Mm-hmm. You know, then the last stage I would say, which we haven't got to, but we're working toward to celebration and hope. You know, I always say to people, nobody wants to take a job and say, you're gonna get this great pay, you're gonna have this great office, this company car, but I'm gonna tell you, the five years you work here, you won't have a vacation day. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. We, we all need a break. We all need a time to stop and celebrate. Some of us out there love it when it's their birthday and make sure everybody know about it. Mm-hmm. Um, some May of us 13. just like the, yeah, there you go. <laughs> or Boss's Day. Um, <laughs> and some of us like that. But the truth is, no matter if it's your birthday or a special holiday or a time of year, we all need a time to stop and celebrate. And sometimes, like even for my 29th anniversary just passed, one of the cool things that we did is we stopped and talked about how many things God has blessed us over the 29 years? And, and, and to be real, some of those blessings were tough times. But those things motivate us to hopefully go for another 29. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the same thing is about DEI, is that if we never have a time to stop and celebrate the fact that we get up and we keep trying, or even celebrate that we fell on our face and got up, then we won't keep trying. I know so many people get into this work, and it's all about, you know, Regina and I laugh about trying to make people eat the elephant in one bite oh, yeah. and, and, and change. <laughs> and, and we get mad when they don't do it, and then we get frustrated and we stop. Think about that for our, your own life. How many times we've had conversations about the issue of race, the issue of gender, the issue of uh, orientation, and it got really heated. And so I'm just not going to talk about it no more. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and that's where you spend your life, but you never stop and say, Hey, what have I done? The simple fact that I choose to listen and learn and grow, I should celebrate that and give myself some energy. So I always talked about the salad bowls or Russell. That's where Mel Trier is at right now. And then we're trying to shoot towards the safe and brave, which is the anti-racism, and then the celebration, which propels us to keep moving forward. Yeah. Now that's awesome. And, um, you know, in talking about um, 
safe and brave spaces and just, you know, being able to show up as your authentic self um, is, is, is big. I mean, and that is something that no matter what age you are, what race you are, is things that we as humans aspire to be able to do. Um, and there's so many different intersectionalities that come when with the term, I mean, that, that are coined with race, right? Like you can think about um, other, other disparities that, um, you know, happen when, um, happen for other populations um, outside of just um, racial inequities yeah. um, and things like that. So, um, <clears throat> I think that those those are some of the things that we're also highlighting and and bringing forth at Mel Trotter that is is, is super important. Because when we think about our guests, and Dennis, you do such a great job um, talking about some of the the percentages and things of the guests that we we, um, provide services for at Mel Trotter, but that talks about deeper things. and some of that intersectionality is in that when you're thinking about our families, um, families that are single women, family households, um, families that and, and how, you know, some of these inequities can be um, continued throughout time. Um, with all of that, it, it's so easy to just feel overwhelmed. Like, ooh, I mean, what do I do with this? Yeah. How do I, how, how can I get involved and do more? Or even where do I fit in this whole scheme of things and, and puzzle? Um, and it's, it's back to that salad bowl thing. It's enhancement, it is. I it, think, it's too. And, you know, one of the things we, we talk about and some of the things we do at Mel Tribe, we keep talking about circle influence, you know. Yeah. The, the, the other side story people need to know real quickly is that when I went back to college, one of my first professors was... Dr. Dennis Van Campton himself. And, and actually, <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and all jokes aside, you know, I, I talk about Stephen Covey's circle of influence, and that's actually a class that Dennis had for me. You know, it's funny how we how God works stuff together. But he talks about circle of influence. And, and once you understand your circle of influence, which I think a lot of people don't spend time doing, that's when you really make change. And, and, and it can be from DEI, it can be just from God's will that you make that change. As we start to think about who are the people around me? Mm-hmm. And and one of the things that's a a, a a quick biblical story, think about Saul the Paul, and he goes to someone else's house, and, and, and um, I'm going to blank on his name. Um, he stays with when he's blind. Yeah, the blind guy. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm having a blank, too. You're having a blank, too. Sid and I are significantly older than Regina, so we're going to look to her. Yeah. Really? So <laughs> while he's blind, he has to go stay, at, I think it's Barnabas. I can't think of I can't think. No, Ananias. Ananias. Thank there you me. go. He goes and stays at Ananias' house. But if you really read the scriptures, you realize Ananias is not really excited about having him there. And it's the same thing you think about our guests. We can be moved by our guests. Our guests, who we sometimes think are the lowest of low, has a circle of influence. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a circle of influence, is my point. And when you understand that, you can start making things move. So you're right, Virginia. It's not just about race. It's it's about gender. It's also about what God calls me to be in my life. If I really want to make that circle influence happen, I have to take time to stop and figure out what that is. Mm-hmm. Man, this is really a rich conversation. I'm, I'm just really grateful for this. Um, 
I was thinking, and, and as I was listening to you two talk, I was brought back to uh, Regina. Your question, right? How can I do more? And um, and I don't know if it's about doing more, mm-hmm. or if it's about in the moment doing what it is that God has for you to do in this situation that you're in, right? Yeah. Because I think yes. sometimes, sometimes uh, we can get really frustrated because, you know, for example, the fact that so many people starve to death in this world, mm-hmm. that's huge. Well, I can get really frustrated if I start thinking about why can't I end hunger? Mm-hmm. Well, when really all God wants me mm-hmm. to do is feed the hungry person right in front of me. To, to give part of what I have to, to help that. And so I was thinking also about in Philippians 2, Paul talks about um, that we are to have, those of us that are following Christ, are supposed to have the heart and the mind and the attitude of Christ yes. Jesus. And then he starts unpacking it, and he says, you do this by humbling yourself and com- and considering everyone else and their needs before your own. And then he unpacks it further and yeah. he says, Jesus was God. He was in very nature God, right? Like king of the universe. And what he doesn't do is he doesn't look at the lowly human and consider them less than himself and sort of lord over, hey, I'm God, you're not. He humbles himself and becomes obedient and dies for them. So what does that have to do with this conversation? Well, here's what I think it has to do. So many of us are spending so much of our time trying to prove, Sidney said it earlier, how right we are and how wrong the other person is and and trying to get our own needs met and putting our own ahead of it. And I think what 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 God and what Jesus is is how Jesus lived and what God is calling us to do is to say, Sid Regina, as a white male, I may not understand Mm -hmm. what you've gone through. I may not understand. I may not even agree with everything. But here's what I am going to do. I'm going to consider your needs before my own. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to humble myself, right? Doesn't this world need some more humility? I'm going to humble myself and consider your needs ahead of mine, mm-hmm. even if they may not look like mine or they may not make sense, mm-hmm. right? That's the heart, mind, and attitude of Jesus. So it's not about a debate about whether or not this philosophy or that philosophy is right. It's about what Paul says, taking on the very nature of Christ and serving others, right? And if we did that, Mm -hmm. if we did that, I think then, Regina, we get to your, what more can I do? Yeah. Right? So it's really about how we live first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I don't know. It's just kind of... No, I I, I think you're right. And I think it goes back to the whole thing is that we all have to understand we have a story. And if we all have a story, we all got Mm -hmm. a part to play. And if we all have a part to play... To understand how they all connect together, I gotta listen to the other parts. Yes, yeah. and it was like yeah. a symphony. You know, yeah. um, if 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 I got just the, the big uh, drum in the back and I just gotta hit it three times, but I want to hit it when I want to hit it, not when I'm supposed to, then it ain't right. Yeah. yeah, if you get 10 musicians and you go, y'all just play something, you know, whatever you want to play, just play. Yeah. It's going to sound awful. It is. Yeah. But if 10 musicians start playing their part on the same song, oh, yeah. you get beautiful music. Yeah. Right? It, it, it really is. And that's where I think you're right, Dennis. That's where we miss it. And and the humility part is to understand that I need to make time to listen to somebody's story. And we talk about this a lot. And then I have to make time for myself to understand what my story is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and and sometimes we don't do that. We quickly want to repeat what we think we know, but we don't want to repeat what we've experienced. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, um, and then when we repeat what we experience or, or begin to talk about what we experience, 
and compare it to somebody else, we start saying, wow, you're right, Dennis. Maybe I need to just humble myself and take this information and, and, and build on my own story. Say, like you said, what can I do in this experience in this time right now to honor the person in front of me? And not the question should be, oh, is that really real? Did that really happen? Mm-hmm. It should be, what can I do for you? Mm-hmm. How can I honor you in this moment? Because here's the other truth, if you just want to talk about plainly, is that if somebody's telling me a lie, the lie is not on me. Mm. The lie is on them. And the person that told it. Right. So I, I don't need to be the detective to break that down. Yeah. 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 So, and, you know, okay. we've been asked, sorry, we've okay. been asked, um, well, why does Mel Trotter have a, a senior level position who is, uh, you do a lot of things, but who is um, also focused with DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, you know, part of that reason is, Regina, you alluded to it, we know that in Kent County, 25% of the population in our county would be considered people of color. Mm-hmm. We know within homelessness, over 50% of the singles that are experiencing homelessness are people of color, and over 94% of the families experiencing homelessness. So, uh you, you stop and let that sink in and you go, wait a minute, something's wrong with this yeah. picture. This is not the math that works out. Well, then you have to be curious and ask questions. And, and what I've sometimes experienced is instead of being curious and asking questions, people can jump to judgment and accusations. Well, if this, then that wouldn't be true. Well, if they just, then that wouldn't be true. And and I think what I hear us talking about is resisting the the human temptation Mm -hmm. to judge and assume that we know someone else's story Mm -hmm. and to step back and be curious and wonder and to be, you know, I think it's in James that that scripture talks about being slow to speak and quick to listen. Mm -hmm. I don't know about y'all, but I am quick to speak and really, really slow to listen. Oh, yeah. Are we all? Like, yeah, especially you know. you know with my husband sometimes. <laughs> yeah, well that's different. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that's that whole thing. We but, all yeah. want to be heard, right? You yeah. know, we, yeah. we you know we all want to have a voice. Mm-hmm. You know, and and what it really boils down to your desire to have a voice is you really your desire to be seen. Mm-hmm. Yes, and 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 sometimes to be seen and to be heard is to try to find a space and a table where everybody has space to be heard. Mm-hmm. And and not to worry about you're gonna be left out like we always talk about is the pie big enough right mm-hmm. you know we think about wrong wait terms. we just went from a salad to a pie yeah we did we we, we jumping all around Hungry. the word pictures <laughs> you know, so so maybe we need to eat after this or I did ask Beth for snacks but that's another story <laughs> yeah well Beth's not here she was in charge of bringing the snacks <laughs> no I think you're right Dennis I, I I think that hearing people's voice is also seeing them. Mm-hmm. And if if you can't hear their voice, you can't see them. And Regina's heard me say this all the time: voice is like being invited to the party. You know, uh, uh, if 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 I'm not invited to the party, if I'm not being heard, then I'm not being seen. Right. So it's, I know our our time is starting to run out. So I kind of want to want to ask both of you. So I'm going to turn the tables on you a little bit, Regina, because okay. um, you're doing a lot of work with Sid in, mm-hmm. in our ministry. Um, and I'd like to ask both of you to quickly maybe come up with uh, or share, I should say, one story 
from a guest or something at the mission that has really impacted you that sort of gives example to what we're talking about today, whether it's where someone just needed to be heard and known and listened to mm. and valued or, or, you know, where you just saw God working through somebody, something like that. So mm. I don't know which one of you wants to go first, but I think it'd be really cool to sort of put a story to this. Um, I'll, I'll say, um, I was working with a youth cause I work with the 18 to 24 year olds. Um, and he was just having a really hard time. He just came to the mission, um, recently and, um, was involved in some gangs and, um, you know, was trying to figure out paying some, um, fines and stuff like that. And, uh, just figuring out life. Right. Um, and he talked to me about, not being able to reach a certain point like that, that those um, types of positions or jobs is he could never be that he could never be um, the head of, um, of anything in charge of anyone. Um, and I think it has a lot to do with, with, with proximity and seeing and seeing that in representation um, in places that he's been. But it felt really good to, to have a conversation with him and, and tell him about his, he's made in the image of God and that he has a purpose for his life and, and a story and his story adds so much value. Um, and I remember telling him to aspire to be the man that he needed when he was a, a young boy. Mm. Wow. And, and he just stopped and he was just like, wow, you know, I never had anybody, you know, put it to me that way. And I said, and I'm going to take you one step further. And so we went for a walk. And um, this is before our construction. We're having construction in the building. And I walked him by Sid's office. And I showed him the title outside of his door. And Sid was on a meeting. So we just, or I think he was on a meeting. So we, we peeked in. Um, I can't remember if I introduced him to you or not. But I, um, he saw you. That's the, that's the point of it. He saw you. Um, and so he saw that here is an African-American man um, who is in a position of power, a position mm -hmm. of influence. Mm -hmm. um, and he could see himself in you. And it really resonated with him because um, he's not seen that before. Mm -hmm. And that was huge. That was powerful. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. All right, Sid. So uh, actually, mine goes back to we, we started doing this thing at, at Meltrata called Momentum, where we are oh, we're really trying to uh, launch people faster and pour into people as fast as we can. And in the, the class I get to teach is a support class. And so last week, we you know, got a vision. We in a support class with, with guys, about eight guys between the ages of uh, young 20s up to, I'd say, about 50-something. And, and, and basically what we're doing, we're doing our first real check-in, right? So we're sitting in a circle, and, and, and guys are admitting that this is uncomfortable because we, we don't talk about our feelings. And, and we really asked a question at one point, uh, what do you like? And, and three of those guys were stumped. They couldn't even answer that question. So this was really good. So by the end of the time, these guys are talking, and they're all excited, and which I really appreciate. It was one guy in the group. He's not a touchy guy. He is not a touchy guy, and 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 he was kind of struggling with it, and so like 15 minutes later, I see him, he, and he comes up to me, and he, he reached out to shake my hand, and then he hugs me. Wow. And he says, "You know what? Because I've known him about a year now. He's like, Sid, I don't know why, but you're always so nice to me." Mm. 
And that means a lot. And why is that a big deal? Because I, I think people have to realize where, where when you have situations, uh, if you want to admit it or not, your race and your gender plays a part in your interaction with other people because the world around us is telling so many mixed messages. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so this guy who, who, who could come up and hug me when he's told he's not supposed to hug other men, he's not supposed to express emotion and care uh, and almost be in tears, was powerful. It's one of those yeah. things that, that, that you don't expect, which it moves me to say that I'm at the right place at the right time, and I, and I, I can't take that for granted. Yeah. That, that young man that you're talking about, uh, he's a youth, um, and he didn't even want to participate in that class. It took, it took like a couple of weeks of just talking about it mm -hmm. and, you know, saying, hey, you know, hyping them up, getting them excited about it um, to get him in the room. And once he went to the first day, he was all about it. He's yeah. always there. He's on time. But it's it's that thing that we try to do at Mel Trotter, you know, really meeting people where they're at and walking yes. with them yes. through um, whatever barriers that they have and, and, and helping them kind of, you know, shorten those barriers or take, take them away completely. Mm -hmm. um, but, but in partnership with them. Um, and so... That's a powerful story to add mm -hmm. on to your powerful story mm -hmm. because had we just said, okay, you don't got to go. If you don't want to go, you yep. don't have to go. That's yep. a missed opportunity right there. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. great. No, he is. He he, he, uh, he is writing an unbelievable story because I could go on about a year ago that he didn't even want to do nothing. You couldn't yeah. convince him to do nope. nothing. He he was set that his life was set. It was nothing more for him to do but yeah. to live in Mel Trotter. And you see him now, and you start going like, wow. So yeah. great. The, the, the stories continue being written. Yeah. They do. Uh, well, these sessions go by way too quickly. They do. Um, <laughs> I, feel like we could, I feel like we could talk for another three hours. Um, but we will have future podcasts, and you will be a guest. And um, Sid, my friend, thank yeah. you. This has been great. I just so appreciate mm -hmm. what you bring to Mel Trotter. I appreciate your friendship and really appreciate your time here. And uh, to my co-host, Regina, um, thank you for carrying the show and making us seem like we kind of know what we're doing. And um, in our next episode, hopefully Beth will be back. We'll yeah. see. Um, but I want to thank you all for listening and for joining and um, just for walking with us as we explore this idea of everyday humanity and how much God loves us and the plans that he has for each of us. So uh, thank you and God bless you.